So, hello and welcome back to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time for our monthly preview show. This is the show where we go through all the previews books, pick out the best titles for you, and what is most deserving of your hard-earned cash. So, as always, your host, Alan, owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast, Mr. DC, for the purposes of this, and uh, joined, of course, by Mr. Marvel, Keith. Good evening, sir. Good evening to you. How are tricks? Tricks are all good. Busy, busy. Reorganizing yes. of store, as I always do. Um... A little bit of a quiet day today. We're recording this on the Tuesday, and I've been rebagging, repricing, and completely sorting out the graphic novel sections. So, uh, and I have a lot of stock due in, in the next week or two. So, yeah, I, I just can't help myself. But I'm about to. I've talked about it before. I'm breaking it down in the DC and a Marvel section instead of having them mixed. Uh, I I used to always have them mixed because my DC bias maybe was a bit too apparent. And it looked like it was two-thirds DC and one-third Marvel. <laughs> but I feel confident in my stock levels now that uh, I can actually have the same or roughly the same amount of both. So I, I don't get accused of said bias. <laughs> As you know, listeners, uh, nothing ever stands still in Coffee and Heroes in uh, Smithfield Market in Belfast. Never. As soon as Alan has a spare minute, he's reorganizing something, whether it be furniture whether it be another trip to ikea whether it be as you say your stock levels your back issues your website so uh yep good work sir good work and then of course in between doing all that it's time to record podcasts and make sure Oops. people know what's coming out i have already done the previews boards in store which is good so there's one resource for this this is another resource as well of course and the previews books are always in the store guys of course if you're you're passing by and just want to have a flick through because normally we talk about it each month that you know the dc ones are online for example dc have had their solicitations online for maybe the last three years under dc connect but alas it is no more at the moment Mm, they seem to be making it they want to make it difficult for for the uh, the constant reader to find out what's coming out um you know obviously they they had their change of uh, of distributor and you know so they took their magazine sort of digital rather than than physical they were out of previews and all of that sort of stuff and, and now dc connect seems to have disappeared it looks like in favor of some sort of app i'm not sure yeah, what's going on seems but, to be uh, either way yeah it, uh, it took a wee while to track it down, but uh, it was worth tracking down. Oh, very much so, very much so, and and at least at the in in the sense of if you look it up on the website or DC Connect, you do get a cool little Riddler, uh, little Riddler <laughs> yeah. graphic just to you know make you feel even more stupid as if you yeah, can't yeah. Find if you it. if you if you Google DC Connect thirty four, you'll find that. But uh, but yeah, this is our this is our previews episode uh, in uh, in I guess it's the end of February. Uh, start of March we're recording, but it is for releases in May of 2023. Uh, seems seems far away. It will be as uh, as Ash famously said, the start of the summer. Uh, but right now, it's starting to feel a little springy around here, don't you think? It is, and it's it's interesting you say that it'll come around in no time because I was doing the delivery this week and there was issues that I was picking out, and I was like, did we not just talk about this in the previous pod about three weeks ago? But uh, I don't know if that's us being behind in our podcast or just releases uh, flying out early. But but no, the days are getting longer. It's nice to go to work in the morning now when it's bright and come home when it's bright as opposed to go to work when it's dark and come home when it's dark. For so, sure, for uh, sure. It's, uh, as they say, a queer stretch in the evening. Yep, very much so, very much so. But but yeah, I know the books this month are very, very strong, certainly for DC and Marvel. Indy maybe a little less so, but we'll still find some quality in there. But, you know, we talked about it last month for the February for april releases certainly with the dc book i remember struggling just to find things to put on the board you know whether it be starting points whether it be graphic novel collections number ones whatever but this month <laughs> i had such a long list i had to literally just like cross ones out and go 
okay, that looks class, but not quite top five <laughs> class. And uh, it took a while to wean it down. Means you're really filtering out it to filtering it out to the quality. The creme de la creme rising to the top, as they say. It does. I mean, we're still going to end up with twenty plus titles a week. You know that, that they they just know that this is what it is, Keith. They heard about this. They heard that we were trying to cut our pull list, so they just went, "Oh, really?" And then just hit us with these previews books. So <laughs> yeah, because you and I are single handedly keeping the big two afloat, isn't I'm that right? Starting to wonder. I think yeah. I definitely keep Batman afloat, and you definitely keep the X Men afloat. So I think that's uh, I think that's fair. But uh, but yeah, no, the the books here is as I say. I mean. Again, if it's your first time listening with us or first time joining us, welcome. But, you know, it's, with comics, it's always the same thing. You get your previous books a couple of months in advance. Uh, it gives comic companies an idea of how many to print based on pre-orders. So the pre-order system is very important just to, you know, ensure you get first print, cover A's. And, of course, the coffee in here has always been cover price. Uh, speculator issue or not, it'll always be cover price. So... Yeah, it's just we like to go through these books just to try and make it a little easier for you. Pick out, as I say, those titles that are <clears throat> just standing out a little bit above the rest so that you don't miss out. And, and as I say, with the DC book this month, I mean, DC are going into this thing called Dawn of DC. It's it's sort of a soft reboot. It's not a complete reboot of any kind, which is great to see. But it's certainly, it's a reorganization, maybe more than a reboot. But, you know, for example, you know, we haven't had a Justice League title for a while, but, you know, with a big team book hitting this month, it's even more Ooh. exciting than any recent Justice League run, to be yeah, honest with you. Things, they are a-changing. Things are a-changing. They're going younger. They're going younger, Keith. <laughs> going younger on us old folks, you know. You mean you're not? What? Uh, unfortunately not. But, uh, but yeah, no, as I say, it's a very strong month. This this initiative, Dawn of DC, there's only been one or two titles the last few months. You know, you think of Green Arrow was coming in, for example. But this month, wow, they they went huge on it. There's at least five or six series here under the Dawn of DC um, sort of umbrella. You've got another umbrella being launched called We Are Legends, which is focusing on sort of Asian American and Pacific Islanders month and has some really exciting new characters being created. Well, I say being created, they've sort of spun out of Lazarus Planet. But there's some of our favorite creators working on those series as well. Uh, we've got some game tie-ins, which look quite interesting. We've got a Peacemaker series, which we'll get on to in a moment, which is from a writer that you introduced me to that you know we're, we're big fans of. And then there's some great, great, great graphic novel collections this month, including one of the best Batman titles of the last few years, uh, one of the best Swamp Thing titles, and even a little bit of love for a, a 90s icon in Azrael with a fantastic series that you know has just finished single issues but is going to be getting collected so. All in all, very strong DC month. Um, you know, even the book feels a little thicker than normal because DC usually keep their books nice and thin. But if you want to talk about thick books, Keith, geez, that Marvel one looks like it cut down about ten trees just to just to make it. Yeah, it's a chunky book, all right. Uh, and like the DC side of side of the the house, um, it is a strong month for the the house of ideas across all of the uh, all of the Marvel families, uh, so to speak. Um, the Spider family uh, are busy with some new number ones and uh, the core title uh, of Amazing Spider-Man being uh, back in full swing, if you will, uh, with uh, John Romita Jr. Uh, fully back on pencils and covers again. There's, uh, I always think of the, you know, the Carnage and Venom books as spider adjacent. Uh, so they're sunning themselves as the summer of symbiote kicks off with a, with a couple of titles. And it now seems clear that the, the summer of symbiotes is a, it's like an umbrella for uh, for a variety of Carnage or Venom related uh, titles rather than, a, a, I guess, a, a series in itself. Um, so there's a couple of titles kicking off there. The X titles uh, are uh, out of the back of 
Sins of Sinister, uh, which is ongoing currently, and barreling towards the fall of X, whatever that may bring. Uh, there's they've got the usual mountain of continuing books, some that I'm on, some that I'm not. And uh, what looks like an interesting Cy Spurrier penned one-shot um, on the Marvel Heroes uh, side of the street. We have a new Avengers ongoing, which I think we're both quite excited about, Before you, despite you not necessarily being a, an Avengers guy. Follow the creators. Uh, Follow the creators. Absolutely. Um, but I'm very excited about it. Cold War is pipping along in the cat books, both of them. And uh, all of the other regular titles uh, continue. We're we're uh, we're marking some birthday celebrations. Uh, the sixtieth birthday of Nicholas Fury, the one and only, or in fact the two or three or five and only. Um, we're marking seven hundred issues of the Fantastic Four, and we have a couple of those notable nostalgia titles that uh, that Marvel have been pulling out recently. You know, like Venom, Lethal Protector, and Warlock, and those sorts of things. So there's a, a couple of those kicking off as well. Um, seems to be uh, the, the case these days, as we've noted, that uh, there's a lot of five-issue minis appearing. Um, but uh, yeah, some some good, some not so much. Yeah, well, and some creators uh, that you're not too fond of taking on characters that you absolutely love, but we'll get to that as well. <laughs> but yeah, no, oh, it's, it's a chunky book. It's a chunky book this month, to say the least, uh, which is interesting because, you know, it's it's a chunky DC book, it's a chunky Marvel book. Normally, every month when we do this, it's, it's usually, you know, loads of indie titles we're picking out. And while we've still found some great looking stuff in the books here, it feels like a slightly thinner month for the indie books. I mean, image is not dominating for a change. Usually we pick out 10, 12, 13 image titles. We've got a few there and there is some great stuff, but it definitely feels a little lighter. But what that did afford certainly myself to do, and, and I know you did this as well, Keith, because we even found a couple of you know smaller publishers doing titles that appealed to us both separately and then we saw the document putting it together and you know clearly great taste align. but yeah there's there's some <laughs> there's a few things from boom and dark horse and the usual and idw and so forth but yeah we're, we're we're showcasing a couple of publishers we never have before whatnot publishing fair square comics and uh there's a dynamite one i'm just going to bring up it's it's not something that i'm necessarily going to be jumping on but it's something i know will be popular in store because we do get a, a few younger readers in store who love their disney stuff and you know dynamite seem to be having some sort of relationship with Disney in terms of publishing their titles, which is weird to me because surely Marvel should be doing it because Disney or Marvel, but I digress. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's still plenty in the indie book, but just, it does feel a little lighter than normal, which uh, for both myself and Keith, our wallets are very thankful about that because all the money in May is going to DC and Marvel. Um, and we may as well kick things off with possibly, I would say this is possibly my most excited title for of the month across all, all formats. But I'm still going to let you introduce it because you have more of a history with these characters than me. We can only be talking about, of course, Titans number one, Titans which number is the one. Uh, the lead book uh, in the DC uh, in the DC um, previews. And thank you very much for your uh, for your generosity there. So yeah, Titans number one uh, will be coming out uh, in May. Uh, it's the first, no, it's the second week of May, I believe. Uh, and it is written by the one and only Tom Taylor, who has sort of been previewing it in uh, in Nightwing uh, 100 uh, with uh, the change of status quo there and uh, some of the stuff that's been happening with Justice League recently. Uh, art and cover is by uh, Nicholas Scott, who was the artist on uh, Wonder Woman Historia uh, Earth 2. 
Um, variant cover by Jim Lee, variant cover by Jan Bartel. Uh, there's a variant cover by Dan Mora, one by Simone DeMio. Um, and the dark crisis is over and the Justice League is no more. And now a new team must rise to protect the Earth. Titans, go. The Teen Titans are ready to grow up. Each member joined as a much younger hero, certain that one day they'd be invited, invited to join the Justice League. But the time has come for them not to join the Justice League, but to replace it. Are the no longer teen heroes ready for the big leagues? Danger looks around every corner as the heroes and villains alike challenge the new team before they've even begun. Will the DCU ever be the same? Find out in this landmark first issue brought to you by the all-star creative team of Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott. Uh, looks great. Very excited about that. So I mentioned something about a Nightwing title. What's that? We never talked about that before. I must. Uh, I must take a look and see if Let's it's worth. It. Uh, it's worth picking up. But that's that. That's that character that used to be Robin, right? It is. Yeah. You know, not even the best Robin. You know, no less. But that's that's a whole <laughs> other discussion. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're very uh, excited for this. Tom Taylor announced this a little while back that you know before that these previews books arrived and you know instantly we knew we'd be on it. Um, you know. As you say, the the Titans have found their way into his night run a few times, and it's just great to see that you know the camaraderie between them, the leadership skills of Dick, and then of course with the the events of Dark Crisis, you know Dick was pretty much pushed to the forefront of the DC universe, and you know almost being made the new de facto leader. But I suppose this is the kind of thing that was always building up once Tom Taylor went exclusive with DC. This was maybe one of the reasons why, because he's obviously doing a showcase title for them. Well, a few showcase titles for them, and as a matter of fact. But, you know, I think he's going to have a big say in maybe even curating events moving forward with the DC Universe as well. So uh, so I can kind of understand why maybe DC said, well, if you're going to be doing that, we'd prefer you to be uh, exclusive to them. Which I still think is a shame, because no one, I think he's one of the best Spider-Man writers of, of recent years. And he didn't even write a lot of Spider-Man, but he just seems to get that character. Um, but mm. thankfully he channels all that energy into the best DC title in Nightwing but the Titans could challenge it well yeah and, and uh, you know there is a there is a a similarity between Spider-Man and, uh, and Nightwing I think uh, as uh, as characters the way they the way they approach life in some way um, in some ways uh, Nightwing isn't weighed down with the responsibility that uh, that weighs down Peter Parker but there are there are some some crossovers there I think yeah, definitely. Multiple love interests as well, depending on what side of the fence you're on. You know, is it is it is it Babs or Starfire? Is it Mary Jane or, you know, is it um, Gwen Stacy? Black Cat, you know? yeah. Or is it Black? Oh, see, Peter's even more of a player. You know, even though he's supposed to be a, a, like a nerd, which is always hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, Titans definitely. You know, the the pre-orders for this are already big in store. You know, I think if people are on Nightwing, they've pretty much jumped on Titans, and and I think it'll attract new readers as well. And and we've always said it. You know, DC needed a team book. Um, you know, if 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 you're in a position where you can only pick up one or two comics a month. Uh, you always want one that has as many characters in it as possible. So the fact there hasn't been a Justice League book for a while, I think, has been a slight detriment. Uh, so this is obviously going to fill that hole. So, yeah, Titans number one. It's, it's described as an ongoing, so we, do, we don't know. There doesn't seem to be a set length for that. Um, but we move from that and we move on to what's called another ongoing. The only thing about this I'm going to say, I'm really looking forward to this, but I worry about the future of Batman Superman World's Finest as a result. And that's because it's mm. from the exact same creative team, which is Mark Wade writing and Dan Moore on art. And this is a, a new Shazam number one. So again, that creative team, I mean, Batman Superman's World's Finest has just been a joy uh, the whole way through. It's just been tons of fun. It's got a real throwback quality to it. You know, 
just making comics fun again you know it, it doesn't deal too much with darkness and despair and everything else you know it almost seems like a silver age comic which i think is a great thing so the perfect creative team for something like shazam which is you know by his own admission a big goofball so uh so yeah so mark wade writing to amora on art as i say uh dinosaurs from space the clubhouse of eternity homicidal worms and talking tigers atomic robots alien worlds mad scientists sinister curses and villains from throughout the dc universe welcome to the wild adventures billy batson whose big red alter ego defends the earth from the weirdest and wildest threats want to stop lex luther and the joker call superman and batman international crisis page wonder woman going gargo emperor of the moon sets aside on gorilla city that's when you shout shazam Fan favorite team of Mark Wade and Dan Mora bring the magic. So again, we we talk about following creators all the time. Anything Dan Mora draws, I'm gonna get. I just think he's one of the most talented artists around. Never misses. Always tons of detail and imagination in his art. And Mark Wade, you know, obviously Mark Wade spent a long time there at Marvel, but I'm really happy to see him spreading his wings at DC a bit because he's he's an encyclopedia for both companies and friends. He's just an encyclopedia of comics. But I think he gets the DC universe in a way that maybe some of the other bigger names don't quite as much. So uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. As I say, I, the, the character Shazam's never been one I've read loads of. I've read some Jeff Johns run. I've read the Jeff Smith um, Shazam miniseries. But not a lot beyond that, I have to say. So if there's going to be a team that gets you into it, this might be it. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be hard to, hard to look past this particular uh this particular team uh for sure yeah so that's uh, yeah. so that's two dawn of dc titles and we've barely even started you know there's another one announced straight away and, and again this is a popular one for guys in store because there hasn't been a green lantern title since the grant morrison liam sharp run and to be honest that run divided a lot of people you know it, it had ultra high levels of morrison insanity which you either love or you don't uh liam sharp's uber detailed art was always a pleasure with that I really enjoyed the run, but you know, I know a lot of guys didn't see it as that approachable, and it looks like this might be the the jumping on point for it instead. Then, so again, I presume this is an ongoing. It doesn't specify it's a mini series or anything. Strong team on this as well. So you've got Jeremy Adams who's writing, who's been doing work on the Flash recently, yep. uh, and you've got Sermanico on art. And Sermanico actually did Green Lantern Black Stars, I think it was, which was the the three issue fill in between the two Grand Lantern, uh, the Green Lantern volumes. Uh, more, more recently, in fact, this week, Zermanico did uh, Batman One Bad Day, Clefius. Well, we're going to be uh, talking plenty about that very soon. <laughs> I think so. But I first noticed uh, Zermanico uh, on um, Robert Vendetti's Justice League, uh, where while I wasn't a huge, it was the pre something, it was. Uh, um, God, uh, no something or other. I can't remember what the what the the story was. Um, I can't remember. But while I wasn't particularly enjoying the story, the art was what kept me with it. It was absolutely phenomenal. He did Flashpoint Beyond as well. And was that uh, um, before No Justice? Was that before Snyder took over Justice League? Maybe it was. Oh, I can't remember. I just can't remember. Uh, it was. It was around. It was the middle of twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was. So it was. It was. Uh, but he was. Yeah. He was. He was on about maybe ten, ten or fifteen issues mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Um, yeah, well, re- yeah. Really good artist uh, in general, and the covers for these look class as well. Um, you've also got some backup stories as well, which will interest you with Philip Kennedy Johnson writing uh, the John Stewart backup for this. So, so yeah, this is going to be in the traditional DC style at the moment, which I don't know if it alienates some people the 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 main story the backup story it's a very old-fashioned way of doing it 
but the difference is in the old-fashioned way when they did it, it was a $2 comic, whereas now this is an excuse to be from a $4 to a $5 comic. But as I say, there's been a lot of guys hoping for a Green Lantern book to come back, so I think they're going to look forward to this. So spinning out of the events of Dark Crisis, the Guardians of Oa at the heart of the Green Lantern Corps have quarantined Section 2814, home of the planet Earth, and it's champion along with it. A heartbreaking defeat has sent Hal Jordan reeling, returning home to rediscover his roots and find the man responsible for ruining his life, Sinestro. From the visionary team of Jeremy Adams and Sermanico, who both worked on the epic Flashpoint Beyond, comes a tale of redemption loss and finding out that maybe, just maybe, you can go home again. At least if you're willing to hotwire a power ring to do it. Also featuring part one of John Stewart, War Journal. War Journal? Nice. Mm-hmm. That's that's some descriptive words right there. Uh, from writer Phil Kenny Johnson and artist Montos as well. So, yeah, I mean, again, I'll, I'll happily jump on this. I... A lot of my Green Lantern experience is pretty much just through Morrison. I have picked up the Green Lantern by Jeff Johns omnibuses, uh, which is on my never-ending pile of omnibuses to read. <laughs> yes. So I will get there at some point. I mean, I'm I'm very happy to say I have read both volumes of Ultimate Spider-Man so far, uh, but we'll yes, get to that doing, when we yeah, hit the Marvel section. Doing, doing, doing very well with that, but uh don't know how chuffed I am about DC uh, stealing War Journal off the Punisher. Yeah. Uh, once he gets uh, out from under the, the, the hand, he may come gunning for John Stewart. <laughs> he may do he may do so uh so yeah so green lantern number one a brand new green lantern ongoing there hitting this may as well so what else have we got then um the batman the brave and the bold jumped out at me because uh christopher cantwell is listed on a uh, a quartet of writers uh that quartet uh includes also tom king ed breeson and dan mora as Making a writer debut, i believe yeah. uh-huh uh, as well as uh christopher cantwell Artists include uh, Mitch Gerads, Jeff Spokes, uh, Javier Rodriguez, and Dan Mora. Um, Simone DeMio uh, appears uh, with a cover again uh, and a range of other covers. Uh, this is uh, released the second week of May. It says, coming off the spectacular success of Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler, which was a spectacular success, the Eisner Award-winning team of Tom King and Mitch Gerads reunite for a horrifying four-part retelling of the first bloody clash between the Joker and the Batman. A tale of loathing, lies, and laughter. This may be the most frightening Joker story in a generation. Everyone is going to be shocked. Uh, Having read The Riddler, I would believe it. Uh, Everyone is going to be talking about it. The Justice League may be gone, but its enemies aren't. Who'll protect the world from the worst of the worst? Ed Breeson and Jeff Spokes pick up the story started in the Wildstorm 30th anniversary special as director Bones and his new covert Stormwatch team travel the globe on Black Ops missions to take super-powered weapons of mass destruction off the board. Eh, sounds a lot like what Iron Man has been doing fairly, fairly recently in Cantwell's run. Uh, but this is Stormwatch, and uh, as always, uh, not uh, all is as it seems. Down with the King starts here. Superstar artist Dan Mora of Batman Superman World's Finest and Detective Comics, and uh, also, uh, as Alan just said, of, of Shazam, uh, but most importantly of uh, Booms Once and Future. Uh, makes his writing debut, kicking off a new series of Batman black and white stories. In a Gotham city overrun by the cybernetic henchman of the Joker, only one person who can save us is the mysterious motorcycle-riding bat-costumed hero of urban legend. And in The Order of the Black Lamp, part one, from writer Christopher Cantwell, uh, he was the writer of that aforementioned, Iron Man Run, he's currently writing Briar. Um, He was on the Blue Flame, um, doing Hellcat as well currently. And artist uh, Javier uh, Rodriguez, who uh, was that Daredevil he was on for a while? Defenders, he did one. yeah. Without anything, 
Um, Superman finds a decoder ring with a secret message, save me, which sends him on a quest to solve a mystery with ties to the Man of Steel's past. Um, <laughs> Superman and save me just reminds me of Smallville. <laughs> that uh, that uh, theme tune. <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress. I digress. Yeah, this basically seems to be an anthology book that's replacing Batman Urban Legends. But whereas Batman Urban Legends confined itself to Gotham, because this is under the Brave and the Bold moniker, it can actually have stories from other heroes because mm-hmm. other characters do exist in the DC universe, DC, uh, other than Batman, you know. And and even I'm saying that. So so it's nice to see that the last story there is Christopher Camwell writing Superman. So, uh, But yeah, no, just, just be wary that it is a, an $8 book, so it is a little bit more expensive. Uh, it is a 64-page prestige book, though, so you're talking the same size as the One Bad Day specials and same price point there as well. So, uh, But yeah, I presume this, again, this will be an ongoing no mention of a uh, of a defined length for that. But uh, we'll move away from there, and obviously it's still under Dawn of DC to a degree, but there is also another imprint uh, coming this month, or coming this May, I should say. Uh, DC is celebrating Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders Month, and they're doing a new imprint called We Are Legends, uh, which is going to launch three all-new miniseries featuring three all-new superheroes. Although, if you were reading uh, Lazarus Planet and some of those various one-shots, you would have actually been introduced to some of these characters from there. So, so there's three books in total launching, um, and there's some great creators on this. I mean, the first one that comes up is called Spirit World. Now, if you do get a chance to flick at the DC book, look at the preview art for this. It looks absolutely gorgeous. It's actually an artist called Hanning, who I've never uh, come across before. And uh, it's written by Alyssa Wong. So this is called Spirit World, an all-new hero that travels between the land of the living and the dead. Now, this is the first time that we're coming into the book where it's uh, at the fine length. So these these are mostly going to be mini-series, I believe. This is going to be six uh, issues for this one. Uh, so from the pages of Lazarus Planet Dark Fate, a new Chinese hero emerges who's able to travel to and from the spirit world, the realm of the dead and that of the living. Their name is Xantha, and their superpower is being able to burn items folded from Joss paper and immediately turn them into real objects, based on the East Asian practice of burning Joss paper at graveyards in order to send resources to ancestors in the spirit world. Except Xantha can retrieve those items in the world of the living. Their weapon of choice is a large broadsword, because who doesn't love a big sword when you can choose to use a big sword? Uh, Xantha is a master of the dark arts who's here to give Constantine a run for his money, literally. When Constantine shows up, sold uh when constantine shows up saying xantha scammed him into buying something he finds them in batgirl cassandra kane finding an abnormal influx of chinese hopping vampires and joins in to help but when a portal opens up that drags batgirl into the spirit world it's up to xantha and constantine to travel the land of the spirits to rescue her who knows what other spirits will find in the spirit world like that skateboarding boy wearing hand food with some headphones and a gaping hole in his chest so constantine buddy cop uh spirit book Sounds great to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, second of these three uh, We Are Legends uh, releases is by our buddy Ram V and art by Lalit uh, Kumar Sharma. And it's called The Vigil. Uh, who are The Vigil? Uh, the shipping vessel Eastwind was taken captive by pirates off the coast of Thailand. 24 hours after the crew have been taken hostage, before communications have been established or any demands made, the crew reported an intervention by a group of unknown individuals. Amid other bizarre claims by the crew are reports of an individual who changed his appearance at will and a woman who seemingly dodged bullets. Once the pirates were taken out, no attempts were made at rescuing the crew. 
There have long been rumors of rogue metahumans targeting weaponized illegal technology, um, with some hinting that they call themselves the Vigil. What are they after? Why did they intervene? Are there metas among us? Stay tuned for more. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is uh, Ram V's um, new book under the We Are Legends uh, imprint. Uh, mysterious, mysterious team of South Asian metahumans. Uh, I think we first saw them in Lazarus Planet Next Evolution, mm -hmm. and we're seeing it again in issues uh, 1070 and 1071 of Detective Comics by Ram. Um, the Vigil is made up of Arclight, Saya, Dodge, and Castle, a group of individuals given powers they didn't want determined to stop metahuman research and tech created for military applications at any cost. Along the way, they'll encounter superheroes that could be allies or enemies. Not a surprise for a group that exists to shut down state-sponsored superhumans and clean up the mess before any hero or villain arrives, as if both the crime and the vigil were never there. Uh, sounds uh, really interesting. Yeah, he says you can't do creator-owned within the big two, uh, because that just sounds very much like uh, like Ram's thing. So, yeah, obviously loving his, his, his work on Detective Comics and uh, loved Swamp Thing and Aquaman Andromeda. You know, he's got a proven track record at this point so this looks really really interesting i just hope that these are going to be series and characters that they give a bit of room to breathe i mean i, I still remember the new age of heroes that did not mm. last very very long and i don't think you hear of any of them anymore uh, but no, these not the, really the, no these sound different enough that i think they maybe will have a bit of staying power so the the third and final one announced this month for the we are legends range is called city boy and uh again six issue mini series written by greg pack um Predominantly no more for his Marvel work, I would say. But I mm -hmm. uh, can see him moving over to DC for this. The art is by Minkyu Jung. And for this one, first seen in Wildstorm 30th Anniversary Special and Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn, there's a new Korean hero called City Boy. Or at least that's the best translation of what the cities call him. City Boy, a.k.a. Cameron Kim, is just trying to make a living by using his powers of being able to speak to cities to find lost and hidden goods to palm. And it's only just enough to get by. And those abilities means he hears everything everywhere all the time, including each city's histories and the truths behind him. It's very loud in his head and something he has to live with. As his powers get stronger, the cities start forming animal avatars from scraps in order to physically travel alongside him on his adventures. Of course, Gotham is a rat avatar made of city scraps. But what about Metropolis, Bloodhaven, Amnesty Bay or even Themyscira? And not all cities are so kind. So again, that sounds really inventive, really something different to the, the traditional DC stuff. Uh, again, preview art looks really, really strong on this. I think I'll I'll pick up all three of those like first issues and certainly give them a go and see where it uh, see where it leads us from there. Yeah, the um sort of the preview for City Boy and the Wildstorm 30th Anniversary Special sort of tweaked my my interest, but he seems I don't know if it's deliberate, uh, but will it will it be explored? But seems very similar to especially with it being Wildstorm. Uh, to uh, Jack Hawksmore. I don't know if you know that character. Um, he's the the spirit of the city. Uh, you very often see him. Uh, he, he wears a like a crumpled suit, and he's always barefoot, and he has these pads on the on the bottom of his foot. But he shares those powers of being able to persuade a city to to do what he wants it to do, and being able to talk to the city. Um, really interesting character is Jack. So. I'm just interested if there's a connection here. Um, Possibly. Yeah. 
wouldn't surprise me. I mean, obviously, given that they introduced him through the Wildstorm book, maybe there's going to be some sort of links there, uh, familial or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the, the We Are Legends range. Again, those three titles, Spirit World, The Vigil, and City Boy. And I see another writer that uh, a writer you actually introduced me to and someone whose work I've went on to enjoy very much through Image Comics is doing a DC series and again another miniseries, Six Issues. Yes, indeed. Um, and that is Kyle Starks, uh, I believe. If I recall, I introduced him to you through Big Rock Candy Mountain, Rock wasn't that Candy it? Mountain, yeah. It was a fantastic book. I mean, it was obviously heavily influenced by, you know, music and traveling hobos and all that kind of stuff. Great sense of humor to it. Uh, I, w- I wish it had been longer than it was. I think it was only 10 issues. Uh, it was two trades, yeah, five was, issues each. So, And then uh, Kyle Starks did the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton there a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, really good book. Um, and uh, there's one I'm reading at the moment called I Hate This Place as well. Which That's is, another one of Kyle Starks, yeah. yeah supernatural theme one, but yeah, but doing his own DC Black Label series now. Absolutely, and that uh, series is a Peacemaker series called Peacemaker Tries Hard. Uh, as you said, it is uh, another six-issue uh, series. Art is by Steve Pugh, um, who uh, was on... Uh, he's done some various bits and pieces uh, associated with Preacher, if I recall. Preacher. Um, I think he did yeah. some Animal Man as well. Uh, they're, the, they're the very one. Um, this is released the first week of May. Having earned his release from the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker wants to try and do normal superhero stuff for a change. Unfortunately, everyone, including the bad guys, thinks he sucks at superhero stuff. Uh, but when busting up a terrorist ring introduces Christopher Smith to the cutest thing to ever walk awkwardly in four legs, he finds the unconditional love he's been denied his whole life. That is, until the dog is kidnapped right out from under him by a supervillain who has some very unsuperheroic plans for Peacemaker's brand of ultraviolence. Uh, will he help an infamously unstable superpowered criminal steal the world's most valuable and dangerous DNA? Honestly, Christopher's pretty lonely, so it probably just depends on how nicely they ask. Um, breakout writer Kyle Starks and art legend Steve Pugh uh, deliver a brutal and hilarious take on DC's biggest POS that will bust guts, break bones, and melt hearts. Um, I... Uh, never really turned on to Peacemaker in the comics, but uh, definitely in the in the TV series, which uh, to me is still one of the best things that's been released by the the DC EU. Um, so yeah, I would pair that with Kyle Starks, and I might just jump on this. Yeah, I think so. I think just having that writer alone, that uh, that voice, and he he's a really good sense of humor, really dark sense of humor anyway. So I think it'll suit this character. And the fact that it's a black label series says to me it's going to be you know adult, it's going to be you know gory, it's going to be bad taste for lack of a better term. You'll be <laughs> glad to see that it is just normal size for a black label title. Oh, interesting! Interesting size. Uh, but speaking of Peacemaker and speaking of the Suicide Squad in general, there is a, a prequel to the upcoming video game, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, being made by Rocksteady, of course, who are so well known for the Batman Arkham games. Uh, and this is going to be similar to the Batman Fortnite comic or the Batman Gotham Knights ca- comic in that there's going to be digital downloadable codes with each issue, which will then give you an in-game item. So this is going to be a five-issue miniseries called Suicide Squad Kill Arkham Asylum. It has... Chu co-creator uh, John Lehman on writing duties and art by Jesus Hervas. So before the Suicide Squad kills your favourite heroes in the upcoming video game, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League joins us for this thrilling prequel and witness them kill Arkham Asylum. Amanda Waller has taken control of the recently rebuilt Arkham Asylum and her brutal tactics and merciless methods have led to the most secure asylum Gotham has ever known. 
But when the cell doors open and the inmates are left in a free-for-all death match, Waller's true intentions reveal themselves. Identify the strongest, smartest, and most brutal inmates of the asylum to serve her on Task Force X. Things are going to get messy in this prequel. The Rocksteady Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. So clearly John Lehman understands Amanda Waller straight away, uh, just from that description alone. <laughs> and uh, It's been a wee while since we talked to John Lehman, uh, the, uh, as you said, the creator of Chew, but uh, if you're interested, you can uh, you can listen to that interview from a couple of years back, um, a little further down the podcast track. A little cheap plug there. I love it. I love it. And there's also another cheap plug for another interview we did, uh, who was the writer <laughs> on the next one, which is a, a graphic novel collection. And one we've been waiting on, actually, and one that I'm really glad that has been collected in one edition rather than mm, the usual across it, um, two editions. Yeah, it absolutely suits it. Uh, this is Batman the Night by Chip Zdarsky. Um, and art and cover by uh, Carmine de Gion Domenico. Jesus, I struggled over that name. I've said it a hundred times. Um, it's a it's a hardcover, um, and it's also on sale the last week of May. Uh, Batman the Night was a fantastic uh, ten issue, just uh, Batman Begins sort of sort of deal. Um, I would quite happily take it as 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 canon if that is indeed its intention. Um, how did an angry, damaged young man grow into the most uh, accomplished detective and crime fighter the world has ever known? How did the Dark Knight begin? On Bruce Wayne's journey towards becoming the Dark Knight, he has many hard lessons to learn before his education is complete. His adventure begins in the City of Lights, Paris, where he'll train with a world-renowned cat burglar and come into contact with a horrifying serial killer stalking the city's wealthy elite. Will this first test for the young Batman prove deadly? Um, it, was, it was a great uh, book. Um, it was the sort of, I guess, a, an origin for for uh, for Bruce Wayne rather than Batman per se. It was an origin for Ghostmaker, um, who uh, appeared then in the in the the long run series. And I I was so happy whenever they decided to make the character in the night Ghostmaker. I was like, yes, it all makes sense. <laughs> it's all connected. Um, but yeah, an absolutely fantastic complete story that uh, if you didn't pick up the singles. I'd highly recommend uh, picking up in, in hardcover or, I mean, it'll eventually it'll come out in trade, but uh, well worth picking up. It'll be a beautiful hardcover. Yeah, it's all part of the plan. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was one of the best Batman miniseries of recent years. It was frequent, a frequent visitor on our reviews pod, you know, um, issue to issue, because the issues in themselves, they, they almost felt like one-shot issues because they would be, a, you know, dealing with different skills he was learning or meeting different people or being in different cities. But obviously it's a narrative that all fit together effortlessly as well. So we seem to have stumbled into a little bit of a Batman corner. Uh, next up is, we we'll always pick out at least one or two big luxury omnibuses from the previous books as well. And probably the biggest one this month is Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles omnibus. Uh, this was written by James Tinney the Fourth and Ryan Ferreri. Uh, art by Freddie Williams II and Kevin Eastman, of course, co-creator of the Turtles. Uh, so this is a, a big bad boy. Now, it's an advanced solicit. It's not out until July. Uh, but for this one, it's New York City's Heroes in a Half Shell and Gotham's Cape Crusader join forces against their greatest enemies, Krang, the Shredder, the Joker, and more, in a trio of tales that mash up the dimensions of the Turtles and Batman, putting all of reality in jeopardy. This massive omnibus collects Batman TMNT 1-6, Batman TMNT 2-1-6, and Batman, and the aptly named Batman TMNT 3-1-6. Uh, plus hundreds of pages of behind-the-scenes material from artist Freddie Williams II and a brand-new introduction by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co-creator Kevin Eastman. So, yeah, all that stuff's a lot of fun. Um, Tinian was clearly flexing his, his fun muscles on the uh, the Batman TMNT series, so 
it's nice to see it all collected in one place and it does have a new cover there as well from Kevin Eastman into the bargain um, lovely so sticking with sticking with Batman but Batman of a slightly different flavour uh, we have Batman White Knight presents uh, Generation Joker number one the story is by Sean Murphy the creator of White Knight uh, and the various uh, follow ups to it uh, the writer is Katana Collins, who's Sean Murphy's wife. Wife, isn't that right? Yep. She also wrote the the Harley Quinn tie-in series. That's correct. And Clay McCormick. And art is by Margot Andolfo. Um, it was mentioned at the end of uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight. This was coming up. Uh, and it's a six-issue miniseries, Youth in Revolt. Spinning out of the runaway hit, Batman Beyond the White Knight, comes an unforgettable coming-of-age supervillain tale starring the children of Harley Quinn and the Joker. When the rebellious twins run away in a stolen Batmobile, only Joker Jack Napier's quickly fading hologram has any hope of getting them home safely and keeping them out of the family business. But a life of crime isn't the only temptation for young Bryce and Jackie. Uh, as the kids undercover, a dark secret that could bring their dad back to life for good. Uh, with uh, a wild array of Batman's former enemies and allies on their tails, will the kids succeed in reviving the Dark Knight's greatest foe? Find out as Jackie and Bryce take center stage in the white knight universe um so yeah there you go the latest chapter of the of the white knight uh, story i really enjoyed the the batman beyond the white knight series yeah and it's nicely set up for where they want to go from there where it's not just batman centric anymore but expanded out into the sort of wider dc universe you know it's or the murphy verse if you will as uh, mm -hmm. it takes lots of cues from the animated series and so forth but it is very much yeah sort of it really thing. does doesn't it yeah so um but yeah, just a, a couple of trade mentions just to finish off with, and that'll be the DC book. Um, going slightly off script here, first of all, the second volume of Human Target comes out. This is the Tom King Greg Smallwood book, which is one issue to go. Said issue actually came out this week. I'm very much looking forward to tuck it into because issue 11 was outstanding. Uh, so that'll be volume two. Volume one's already available. We've got Swamp Thing Green Hell, which is the long-delayed book. Uh, but holy crap, it is a great book. It's written by Jeff Lamar and art by Doug Mankey. Uh, we're two issues in in terms of the single-issue releases for what is a three-issue miniseries. Uh, but the third issue is due out in March. And then one last one from me, which again, going off script, I can't believe neither of us actually noticed this. Uh, but I'm going to have to throw it out there just flicking through the book. Now, in fairness, Keith doesn't have access to the book the same way I do. So um, I, I pilfered ones from the store. But uh, yeah, the obviously recently we unfortunately lost Carlos Pacheo, um, one of the great artists in, in, in the comic world. And DC are bringing back his Superman run and putting it into print. He works with his longtime collaborator, Kurt Busiek, who is writing. It's a storyline ah. called Superman Camelot Falls, and it's mm -hmm. being collected into a deluxe edition. So, as I say, written by Kurt Busiek, art and covered by Carlos Pacheco. Uh, Kurt Busiek, Carlos Pacheco, and Jesus Marino, legendary Superman run returns to print in deluxe format. All seems well in Superman's world. He's happily married, Intergang is on the run, and Metropolis stands as a shining example of a modern-day Camelot. But not even the Man of Steel may be powerful enough to avert disaster when an ancient sorcerer prophesizes that Camelot will fall. This volume collects Superman 654 to 658, 662 to 664, 667, and the Superman Annual 13, and features a brand new introduction from Busek. So, I mean, I'm not a huge Superman guy, but I'll, I'll definitely be picking that up, um, you know, because you can't beat that creative team. And obviously yeah. it's a self-contained story arc. So I just thought that was uh, definitely worth throwing out there. Cool, absolutely. Um, 
So the last one from me uh, is worth mentioning uh, Sword of Azrael, the recent um, the recent six-issue miniseries from uh, Dan Waters, who we had the pleasure of crossing paths with at Thought Bubble uh, last year. Uh, it's out in softcover uh, on the... Oh, it's actually not out until July, so it's a, it's a pre-solicit. But the warrior angel of St. Dumas returns... Jean-Paul Vallée uh, does not want to be Azrael ever again. All it has brought him is pain, violence, and misery. But when a young woman who claims to have the same system programming that made Jean-Paul into Azrael arrives, he won't have a choice but to don the violent mantle of Azrael once more to protect her. Um, that was a, an absolutely fantastic uh, six-issue series. Uh, this also includes the Sword of Azrael, Dark Knight of the Soul, number one. Um, just just great stuff uh, I've rarely enjoyed a, an Azrael story as much uh, and it was uh, it looked gorgeous, it was very well put together um, so don't know if you picked that one up did you? Yeah I did, it was it was awesome so it was really really yeah. good stuff it's it's a surprise it's taken quite a while to come out um, obviously it, it finished a couple of months ago at this point so mm -hmm. taking their time getting it out but definitely worth waiting for uh, if nothing else so so yeah that is pretty much our picks from the dc book as we did say in the intro it's a packed month in the dc book this month tons of great Oof. stuff yep. whether it's new series you want to jump on to whether it's mini series whether it's hardcover collections omnibuses there's a little something for everyone in this book and as i said it's definitely worth popping in this shop flicking through the book as well because there's even more than what we've already talked about but you know we've already went through it in enough detail so that's the dc book and we move from one jam-packed book to another and we're kicking off the marvel book this month and it is interesting to me that in the same month that dc is launching their uh their sort of spearhead team book here's a return for marvel spearhead team book absolutely and that spearhead team book is of course avengers with a new number one and a new creative team following the long old run of Jason Aaron, which has, uh, is, is currently coming to an end. Uh, that writer is the uh, fantastic Jed McKay, and art is by Stormbreaker, CF Villa. Uh, they take the reins of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, now, if I give you these descriptions, can you name me the heroes, Alan? Oh, well, go on. The Star. Captain America. I would say... Possibly. Either Captain America or Captain Marvel. Uh, the Icon. You wouldn't lead the Avengers with Captain Marvel. I'm going Captain America for that one. The Icon. Okay. <sighs> Iron Man. I don't know. I would say that would have been maybe the Icon would be Captain America. Anyway, the Witch. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Let's go Scarlet Witch. Okay. The Construct. And let's go Scarlet Witch's other half. The Vision. The God. Thor. Odinson. Of course. The Engineer. Ugh, Iron Man. <laughs> and the King. Has to be Black Panther. There you go. That's our Avengers lineup. Uh, the world is ever in peril and a new team of Avengers mobilizes to meet any dangers that dare threaten the planet. But when Terminus attacks, a new and insidious danger rears its head, one that the Avengers know all too well and one that comes to them in the most dangerous of guises, that of a friend. Oh, who could that be? I'm going to place my money on Hank McCoy and Ultron. Hank Pym, sorry, and Ultron. Because mm -hmm. uh, whenever they were last seen, they were they were bonded uh, as one as one thing. Um, and uh, uh, an insidious danger that reared is known too well. I think that's Ultron and the guise of a friend. That could be Hank Pym. 
Yeah, what I do mean, you think? Very, very promising looking series in general. I mean, again, we, I've spoke about it before. I've I've never really jumped into any main Avengers ongoing. You know, I've certainly enjoyed events here and there and things like that. But Jed McKay is very quickly becoming one of Marvel's, one of comics' best writers in general. Uh, and sure. pretty much, again, falls under that whole, you know, following creators. Uh, C.F. Phillip, it's almost worth uh, jumping on this just for his boy band knowledge. And the reason I say that is because I put, ah. I put this up on Twitter that uh, the Avengers was on the board, and he replied with a gif of Justin Timberlake singing in InSync, which is a song, It's Gonna Be Me, except it was changed to It's Gonna Be May, because the title's <laughs> out in May. So how can you not want to, how can you not love that when he's got such a sense of humor? I mean, the interior pages look absolutely gorgeous, beautiful colors, uh, big splash pages, big scale to it as well. Um, so yeah, this looks really, really promising. I mean, it, as ever, it's launching with all manner of covers, you know, you got Mark Brooks, you got Kale New, you've got Daniel Acuna, you got Marco Cicchetto, you got Paul Smith, Scotty Young, of course, Derek Chu, John Tyler Christopher. So there's tons of variants now. Of course, not all of those will be free to order. Just need to check the information for those in terms of incentives. But I think people have been looking for a jumping on point for the Avengers in store. Obviously, Jason Aaron did a very long run, so it's it's a bit like you know jumping on Tom King's Batman or jumping on Jason Aaron's Thor. You kind of need to read it from the start, I think. So people mm-hmm. really like this jumping on point. So I think we'll see we'll see relatively big numbers on this. Okay, and yeah, especially with the uh, Jed McKay's pedigree, um, mm-hmm. he's definitely one of uh, one of the one of the writers at Marvel at the minute. You know, with uh, the various bits and pieces that he's been doing, Black Cat, uh, Moon Knight, Strange. Um, all of those things, you know. Yeah, big time. Uh, as well, it should should be noted, Marvel are commemorating this month, you know, 60 years of the Avengers. So you've got Avengers number one. They're also releasing an Avengers number one facsimile. So if you want to go back to where it all began, uh, written by Stan Lee and penciled by Jack the Keen Kirby, uh, there will be a full facsimile of that out in the same month as well. Um, so that's definitely, I would probably argue that's the biggest title from Marvel this month. You know, again, it's their team book. It should be their prestige title. And they've certainly got a prestige creative team on that. But moving through the book, there's there's plenty more to sink your teeth into. I mean, we're getting another Edge of Spider-Verse title. I mentioned this because, again, the last uh, run of this proved very, very popular. This seems an excuse to get loads of creators on the books, telling shorter stories, exploring the multiverse uh, or the Spider-Verse. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is coming out as well because later in the year we're getting Edge of Spider-Verse 2. Um, the first animated movie was incredible, so really looking forward to the second one of that. So it looks like it's going to be a fortnightly release title. We've got the first two issues of four released in May. Uh, you've got creators here involved such as Carla Pacheco, Sander Cannon, Pere Perez, David Hine, Luciano Vecchia, and more. And again, you're looking at different uh, Spider-Verse characters such as Spider-Rex, Spider-Killer, uh, Spinstress. So it's it's always one for the speculators as well, to say the least. But another title that's definitely making a welcome uh, returning, and again, this is a character we actually get asked for a lot in store. It's not someone I have a lot of uh, experience with, but uh, it's a character called Silk. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a five-issue miniseries written by Emily Kim and art by I.G. Guara. Uh, Silk, I believe, is Cindy Moon, first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number one, one of many relaunches for Amazing Spider-Man number one. I think it was during the Dan Slot years. Uh, yeah, she was. Uh, her history was that uh, she was sort of locked up in a bunker so that... Um... The uh, oh God, Moreland couldn't find her and feed off her her spider energy whenever uh, whenever that whole thing was was on the go. 
Well, as I say, it's another five-issue miniseries, and you're going to hear this a lot throughout the Marvel book, as we say every month. Five-issue miniseries. So Silk swings back into the Spider-Verse. There's something rotten in Los Angeles, and the ace detective Cindy Moon is on the case. Wait, that can't be right. In this mind-bending new series, Cindy will face old foes and never-before-seen dangers that will take her to the breaking point. Brought to you by all-star writer Emily Kim, who worked on Silk prior, and also the, the ongoing title at the moment, Tiger Division, and Marvel veteran I.G. Guaro, who worked on Ghost Spider and Spider-Gwen. So, yeah, five-issue miniseries there. But therein leads us to... What we're going to uh, affectionately call, what we're going to affectionately call, Keith's conundrum. <laughs> Quite, you know, whenever you you have a character you love, uh, and a writer you don't love so much, and an artist that you're not so sure of, um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's the quandary there. That's the that's the problem. We have Spider Man twenty ninety nine Dark Genesis number one of five. Uh, all five issues, I believe, are released uh, th- during the month of May. Um, and the writer, Steve Orlando, uh, who was on the last Spider-Man 2099 sort of mini, which was called Exodus, uh, was all right. Um, and he's on Scarlet Witch, and he was on that Commanders in Crisis, which wasn't didn't really grab either of us terribly well. Um, but anyway, he's back on this Spider-Man 2099 Dark Genesis run. Um, it says, From the shadows of Exodus comes the Dark Genesis. Miguel O'Hara, the futuristic Spider-Man of 2099, must face a sinister carnage like never before. As society begins to crumble, Spider-Man 2099 will need the, all the help he can get, but does the public even want his help? Or do they all just want to watch the world burn? Steve Orlando, Scarlet Witch, and Spider-Man 2099 Exodus continues his journey through the future world of 2099, this time paired with bombastic artist Justin Mason uh, from Spider-Punk. Get ready for the debut of the new heroes and villains that populate the future. Uh, th- that debut will include uh, Blade 2099, uh, looks like Venom 2099, Moon Knight 2099, Spider Woman 2099, and Ghost Rider 2099, um, uh, battling Carnage, Carnage 2099. So, I mean, it sounds like fun, uh, but, uh, you know, and there's also connecting covers by Rod Reyes. So, all, mm-hmm. all five of them will have a, a connecting cover, which I'd like to get my paws on too. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a conundrum. That's a conundrum. Well, I mean, at least given that it's going to be a weekly release title, usually when these things come along, it's the same writer but different artists, and therefore it loses the flow. But it's actually the same artist the whole way through, Justin Mason, so at least there's going to be that continuity through it. <laughs> it's just whether or not I want to lay down the cash, Alan. <laughs> yeah. The things you've got to do for your favorite characters. Well, that's the trick. <laughs> that's the trick, you know. Yeah, so uh, I'll, we'll keep you posted, guys, whether he jumps on it or not. <laughs> I have a feeling he's going to give in, but we'll keep you posted. Uh, but one that uh, is interesting me, and it's going to actually be like an umbrella title, so to speak, that's going to spin across a couple of titles in the, the sort of Spider and Venomverse, is uh, it's sort of an event, it's kind of an event. It's called Carnage Reigns. And the reason I say it's kind of an event is because it kicks off with an alpha issue. Usually the first sign that it's going to be an event. So uh, Carnage Reigns Alpha is going to be a 64-page one-shot that's going to set up this uh, sort of umbrella title. It's going to go across titles such as Carnage, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. 
It's co-written by Alex Pacnadel, who's also working on Red Goblin at the moment, and Cody Ziegler. Uh, art is by Julius Ota and more. It even boasts a Rand Stegman, who is a symbiote royalty at this point, uh, artist, I would say, uh, doing covers. So for the Alpha issue, anyway, Cletus Cassidy is back and badder than ever. With his soul trapped within the Extreme Beauts armor created by Tony Stark during Keenan Black, Cletus has the means to level an untold amount of chaos and, well, carnage on New York City and the entire Marvel Universe. But like any good Tony Stark invention, the extremist course in through Cletus's symbiotic veins just needs power, and that means Cletus is hungry. Good thing Brooklyn's very own Spider-Man is there to stand in his way, if he survives their first encounter, that is. So yeah, you're kicking it off, as I say, with Carnage Train's Alpha. That's your part one. It's already solicited in here. Carnage Train's part two is through Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man issue six. And Carnage uh, 13 is Carnage Train's part three. So Alex Pagnadel has taken over the writing of Carnage for the duration of this event. Obviously, Ram V's been writing it to this point. Luckily, they're good friends and have the whole White Noise Collective and so forth. And Cody Ziglar is the writer on Miles Morales, Spider-Man. So yeah. This could be fun. I'm really enjoying Carnage. Uh, I'm not really into the Miles Morales side of things, but maybe this will maybe this will change that. How is the new Miles Morales run? I know you're a big Miles guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying. Um, well, I mean, I really enjoyed the previous run, the the Solid and Amid run. Uh, I'm sort of still waiting for this one to heat up, but there was uh, a pretty cool inclusion of Misty Knight recently. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'm off Carnage, so this is a tricky one for me. Do you pick up? Uh, Carnage Reigns Alpha and the issue of Carnage that makes up the three parts of this or do you just stick with Miles and uh, you know fill in the blanks swallow the loss yeah yeah that's fair that's fair so yeah that's Carnage Reigns Alpha and this this runs straight in on the previous book to Extreme Venom version and basically this is you know it's to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the creation of Venom so there's sort of like this umbrella event called the Summer of Symbiotes and they're doing that with a five-issue miniseries as well, as I say, Extreme Venomverse. This is going to be another anthology book, a few different writers per issue, a few different artists per issue. Uh, so, as I say, the first two issues are going to be out in May, and then it goes from there. So, Return to the Venomverse, face front Venom Maniacs. To celebrate the 35th anniversary of the creation of Venom, the Summer of Symbiotes is underway. And it all starts with Extreme Venomverse, a landmark series that's going to take mighty Marveldom to corners of the hive never before seen when have we heard that before? Um, <laughs> first, you've got comic superstars Ryan North, who, of course, is on Fantastic Four at the moment, and Paolo Sicaria put a fresh and exciting spin on a story you may be familiar with, starring Eddie Brock as Spider-Man. Then your favourite comics writer, Maker Andolfo, shows you a side of the of the whole Brock family you never thought you'd see. And finally, one of the best writers slash artists in comics today, Leonardo Romero, reimagines Venom as a samurai. But whether all of your new favourite symbiotes will survive the summertime saga remains to be seen. And then you've got issue two, which has uh, creators on it such as Al Ewing, David Papoose, Clay McLeod Chapman, Vincenzo Carutu, Ken Lashley and Paul Davidson. And uh, again, you're going through a few different stories there. Venom scribe Al Ewing and artist Vincenzo Carutu on Unite to tell a perfect tale about your favourite cat burglar and a certain heist you may have pulled on Marvel's first family. Revisit Marvel 1602 with Clay McLeod Chapman as they introduce the creepiest Venom ever. And David Popose and Ken Lashley introduce you to what we're calling the LMV, Life Model Venom, Cyborg Spider-Man, <laughs> Eat Your Heart Out. So that just sounds like tremendous trashy fun to me. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. Um, don't know if I'll uh, avoid that one or if I'll go with it, but uh, whenever Marvel 1602 is involved, uh, I'm usually interested. 
that was a really great uh, Neil Gaiman Neil series Gaiman, yeah. uh, back in the day, uh, and it was continued then with a, a Fantastic Four um, mini and a Spider-Man mini. Uh, it was it was pretty cool stuff. Um, but yeah, see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, next up for me, uh, we're taking a wee dive into some of the. You've noticed recently that Marvel have been pulling out uh, like nostalgia five-issue miniseries, whether that be the Gambit one by Chris Claremont um, or whether it be uh, the current uh, Spider-Man, The Last Hunt by Jam DeMattis. So they're, they're pulling out um, classic creators uh, or um, uh, the, the recent uh, Venom, Lethal Protector one as well. So they're pulling out you know, Silver creators Surfer from... as well, Silver Surfer Rebirth yeah. with the Rons. Yeah, all of that, all of that. And I mean, it's... A, I'm I'm happy with it because it's appealing to a time whenever I first started buying comics or in and around it, you know. So, so it's pretty cool. But uh, it's definitely a it's definitely a thing. It's definitely aimed at it's definitely aimed at people of my age, I think. Um, so, uh, so can't complain. But what we've got is Storm number one of five by the legend uh, Anne Nascente, um, who is best known for her work uh, at Marvel in the sort of late eighties, early nineties. She was an editor on Annie X-Men and New Mutants, as it was written by Chris Claremont, as well as her fantastic run as a writer on Daredevil, uh, illustrated primarily primarily by JRJR. Uh, she created Longshot and Mojo and Spiral and Blackheart and Typhoid Mary, uh, all of which are characters that we uh, we, we still uh, very much uh, play with today. But uh, she's writing The Storm, uh, five-issue mini. Uh, art is by Sid Codian. Um, Storm faces the blowback of her powers. Aurora Monroe, aka Storm, has been a thief, a goddess, and a leader of the X-Men, and she's just getting started. With her mutant ability to control the weather, bolstered by her top-notch fighting skills, she's a formidable opponent like no other, as Callisto from the Morlocks can attest. But when an elemental power emerges near Xavier Mansion, uh, it'll take Storm to the limit of her powers and beyond. Get ready for an electrifying all-new series showcasing Storm's days uh, of rocking her mohawk and leading the X-Men as she faces an all-new villain that will threaten to tear her apart from her team and what she thought she knew about herself. Uh, sounds exciting and it's hard to pass that one up uh, whenever uh, and the Sunday's name's attached to it, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, writer of Chip Zdarsky's favorite ever Daredevil run, uh, incidentally, <laughs> as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting with the X-Men stuff, because we've talked about it before, about how, you know, given everything that's happened since Hickman came on, the X-Men, you can never really see it just going back to being Xavier in the mansion. But this is a way mm-hmm. to do that without changing your ongoing status, which is interesting. Yeah, and these these are really easy to pick up and just enjoy. Um, you know, the Gambit one was really good fun. Uh, you, I mean even someone who doesn't have a background in the x-men could go there we go just Mm -hmm. pick it up take that little cut of time that's never been told before and enjoy it um second one of these on the list again these nostalgia pieces is danny cage ghost rider number one of five written by uh danny cage's co-creator uh hard mackie with art by uh daniel uh picciuto um Danny Ketch is back. Flashback to a time when innocent blood was spilled, a spirit of vengeance was born, and Danny Ketch found himself transformed into the Ghost Rider. A gang war is breaking out across New York City with Ghost Rider caught in the middle. But if it's just rival gangs killing each other, does, does Ghost Rider need to get involved? Join us for an untold tale of Danny Ketch from uh, from uh, the character's co-creator. Um, I'll be I'll be on this. Uh, Danny Ketch was my Ghost Rider 
so again, one for uh, one for me. And he's also appearing in the, uh, in the current um, ongoing, yeah. uh, isn't he? Um, so uh, kind of interested in where that's very, going. Very, very good. So it is really, yeah, really good. It's, it's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Um, so also for me, if you don't mind, I'll just uh, push on here. Um, we've got uh, a... Uh, I don't know if it's a... Is it a one-shot or is it a... I think this is just a one-shot. Is it? Maybe maybe it's a one-shot and it's uh, it's marking uh, Nick Fury's uh, 60th anniversary. Uh, it's Fury number one, uh, written by Al Ewing, with art by Scott Eaton, Tom Riley, Adam Kubert, and uh, Ramon Rosanos, and a cover by Adam Kubert, who is Scorpio, uh, a glamorous rogue agent uh, with a deadly secret lures Nick Fury into an action thriller of a lifetime, his father's. Following the trail, uh, following the trail opens never before Fury files from the Highland 40s, the swinging 60s and today, but it takes more than one Nick Fury to unlock a mystery decades in the making and to answer the question, who is Scorpio? Uh, looks really interesting. On the cover, we have uh, we have the Nick Fury inspired by Samuel L. Jackson's uh, Nick Fury, uh, inspired also by the Ultimates Nick Fury, I guess. We have the Nick Fury of the World War II Nick Fury. We have Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we have Nick Fury as the... Uh, the, the watcher on the wall uh, as we see him now so uh, interesting interesting so That'll we basically fun. have Samuel Jackson on the cover and we have David Hasselhoff on the cover who could <laughs> pass that up <laughs> who could pass that up oh David Hasselhoff <laughs> <laughs> back when Dolph Lundgren was the punisher as well oh simpler uh -huh. times simpler times um yeah next one up is for me it's it's daredevil so of course i'm going to be on this it's a four issue mini series uh but it's uh, a team-up book daredevil and echo number one of four now it's written by taboo and b earl but the the artist on this is what draws me in as well phil noto big big fan of phil noto's style perfect for old hornhead as well so something stirs beneath hell's kitchen for months the bloodthirsty and demonic demo goblin has been kidnapping children for reasons unknown. In this series, Daredevil and Echo discover why, as Demogoblin works to wake an ancient and powerful evil deep within the bowels of the city. Reunited at last with Echo, herself fresh from a brief time as the host of the Phoenix Force, it follows the Daredevil to stop Demogoblin and not only save the children, but everyone in New York. So, yeah, we four-issue miniseries there. Be a nice little companion piece to the great work that uh, Zdarsky's doing on Daredevil, I would say. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that sounds interesting for sure. Um, also interesting for me at least is uh, X-Men Before the Fall, uh, Sons of X, number one. It's a one-shot. It's written by Cy Spurrier with art and covers by Phil Noto, uh, which is a thing worth noting. Um, a battle of the titans of the X-Universe, a man of innumerable personalities and powers versus the most powerful artificial intelligence in this universe, Legion versus Nimrod with Nightcrawler in Orca's clutches, David Haller and his allies will have to confront the mastermind who destroyed Warlock and nearly took Krakoa with him, but Nightcrawler is not himself and Legion's allies are not all they seem to be either. Mutant monsters roam the earth, Banshee, broken once again, dreams of lost vengeance. Mother Righteous, her role in Sins of Sinister Unrevealed, takes another stab at universal control. Cy Spurrier and Phil Noto usher in uh, new status quos for some of your favourite X-Men that can't be, uh, and this can't be missed one shot. Obviously, this is leading up to Fall of X. Um, Cy Spurrier was on Legion of X, um, but that doesn't seem to be coming back after Sins of Sinister. Uh, whereas X-Men Red by Al Ewing and Immortal X-Men uh, by Kieran Gillen are back. Uh, Legion of X is not, so this seems to be 
uh, what's popping up in its stead. Um, so yeah, interesting where where this is leading and where uh, where where Fall of X will take us. Yep, I mean, obviously, since since there being an X event, I mean, we've been chatting about looking forward to a Captain America event that's going to run through their two books, Central Liberty and Symbol of Truth. Uh, it's a, coming from the minds of Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, as well as Tochi Onyebuchi. Uh, and this month's season release of those two titles, Sentinel of Liberty and Symbol of Truth, which is Captain America Cold War Part 3 and 4. So there's still time to sign up for Cold War Alpha and then, of course, the Captain America titles as well. I think this is going to be really, really good stuff. Um, you know, by the time we hit Sentinel of Liberty 12, Black Widow's being brought into the fray as well. So it's starting to expand that world a little bit as well. But that, for me, is one of Marvel's best runs at the moment. So... Again, just thought it was worth mentioning that uh, Cold War hasn't started just yet. So definitely get your name down for it if you have not so far. Mm-hmm. Um, worth mentioning as an oddity or as a, a piece of interest rather than, than anything. Um, obviously Hulk, uh, the, the Donny Cates run uh, with with Donny's um, sort of problems, sort of taking him offside. Ryan Stegman has is finishing out uh, maybe prematurely, not quite sure. Um, but uh, there's a Hulk annual, uh, Hulk annual number one in previews uh, with a rather fantastic Gary Frank cover. Um, it's written by uh, David uh, Pepose, who is the writer on uh, Savage Avengers, which I'm finding to be one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, it's a really, really fun book, even without Conan in it. Uh, and the art is by Keo uh, Mahado. But it says Hulk versus Giganto, a documentary crew is on the hunt for the monster at the heart of Gamma Radiation Leak. But uh, they get more than they bargain for when they end up on Hulk's angry side and caught in the middle of a brawl between two unstoppable giants as Hulk battles and unleashed Giganto. And this is the interesting part. Plus, a special preview exclusive to this issue of the shocking new direction Hulk is headed in this summer. So, interesting, perhaps, to know. The return of the immortal Hulk. Oh, we can, but drink. <laughs> Even though I think everything well, yeah. needed to be said in that title was probably said. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's no secret that, you know, the Hulk run, the Donny Cates run, along with Ran Otley, it's, it's been very up and down for me. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, I said Ryan Stegman, not Ran Otley. The, uh, the art has been pretty stellar the whole way through. The, the ideas for the way it was set up were maybe a little too sci-fi for me, maybe a little too different for me. But, again, I, I jumped on into that off the back of bulk reading Immortal Hulk. So it was always going to be a... A change in quality, I think. So uh, I'll be curious to see what direction they take that in. So yeah, it's it's a good idea that I think as well doing an annual one shot story, but also giving a sense of where the the title will go when it does return. Mm. Um, a title we obviously love. Uh, we're starting to wind down here with the Marvel stuff, but a title you know we we've spoken very highly about is certainly Jason Aaron's current run on Punisher. Um, you know, art by Jesus Says and Paul Azakeda. And there's a really great cover by Jesus Says for Punisher 12 in this one. And it also seems to reference a little bit of Spidey lore as well. Because there's next to no uh, plot description here. It just says Punisher No More. So we are kind of wondering, is this is this title maybe going to start maybe winding down? I mean, the last couple of Punisher runs haven't really went beyond sort of 15 issues, maybe at the maximum. You know, you go back to the Becky Cloonan run, I think it was around 15 to 18, maybe. It might have reached 20, actually. Uh, the one before that, though, I think was, was shorter. And then the Matthew Rosenberg one was only 15 issues as well. So, possibility uh, Frank's maybe getting this happy ending? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
But let's stop messing around this Marvel book. Let's just ignore everything that came before because we're all here for one thing. And one thing only. And that is the Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 3. Give it to me now, Marvel. You're, you're, you're just teasing me. You're making me wait all this time. Um, yeah, so again, it's, it's something we've chatted about in the pod a few times. I'm new to the world of the Ultimate Universe and Marvel. Uh, just recently finished Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 2. This, of course, is the Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley run that's so highly regarded. Sort of a, a modernization of Spider-Man, if you will, within the Ultimate Universe. But what was really cool about the second volume was it introduced the Ultimate X-Men, it introduced the Ultimates, uh, so it's inspired me then to go off and get a couple of omnibuses of those. I've got Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, and I've got the Ultimates. But I really just want to get back to Ultimate Spider-Man, because holy crap, it left Peter in a really dark place, uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. And it's coming back. Now, it does say on sale September. So A, it's an advanced solicit, but B, Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 2 omnibus slipped by two months. That better not be the case here. So... Mm. Otherwise, I'm going to take a trip over to Marvel's offices and bang the door down. So <laughs> I, go, I go with you just for the trip. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is Omnibus Volume 3. So this is going to collect Ultimate Spider-Man 72 to 111 and also a couple of annuals as well. So just give a little bit of info on it. As Mark Bagley concludes his record-breaking Ultimate Spider-Man collaboration with Brian Michael Bendis, but before they're done, they pit Peter Parker against a host of updated versions of classic Spidey rogues, including the Hobgoblin, Hammerhead, Morbius, Scorpion, and Omega Red. But will the mercenary Silver Sable be friend or foe? And how about Deadpool? Meanwhile, Peter Parker has a new girlfriend, Kitty Pride of the X-Men. Spoilers. But what does that mean for the friendship with Mary Jane? And it's all building to the most shocking story of all the Ultimate Clone Saga. Peter's life is turned upside down in an epic that introduces the all-new, all-different Spider-Woman. Plus, Daredevil tries to enlist Spidey to join Moon Knight, Shang-Chi, Iron Fist, and Doctor Strange in taking down the Kingpin permanently. Oh, man, just hook it to my veins, please. Yeah. <laughs> you're, I'm glad you're enjoying it so much. Oh, um, fantastic. Do you remember, do you remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we, we did our spotlights. I did a spotlight on Spider-Man, and I highlighted uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, and it wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the definitive Spider-Man run. You should definitely get this, uh, Keith. It's out of print everywhere. <laughs> well, there you go. I was only, I was see how ahead of time I am. I was only preempting this release. You were just prepping me. You knew I wasn't ready at yeah. that point. Absolutely. You know, you're you've grown into it now. You're you're ready. <laughs> you're ready. Um, another uh, another hardcover omnibus. Uh, it's actually a, an October early solicit, but it's in this uh, this previews catalog is uh, for. Canadians premier super team uh, under the uh, under the the guiding hand of legendary writer artist John Byrne. Um, so it's the uh, Alpha Flight by John Byrne omnibus. Uh, it's a new printing of it. And if you have any interest in Alpha Flight, then this is the only omnibus you'll ever need. Uh, as as I say, the legendary writer artist steers one of his greatest creations to glory, exploding from the pages of the X Men. Canada's premier super team Alpha Flight takes the Marvel Universe by storm before starring in their own Burnhelmed series. Guardian, Shaman, Snowbird, Sasquatch, Aurora, North Star, Puck, and Marina fight to protect Canada from injustice and evil, including the master of the world, the maniacal alchemist Diablo, and the terrifying great beasts. But they'll face their darkest defeat at the hands of the rival Omega Flight. An Alphan an will fall, but can the team fight on? So... This collects uh, X-Men 109 from 1963, uh, 109 and 120, 121, 139, 140, The Incredible Hulk Annual number 8, uh, Machine Man, 
number 18. Marvel 2-in-1 from 1974, a couple of issues of that. A couple of issues of Incredible Hulk. Um, and then the Alpha Flight run, uh, the 1983 run, number 1 to 29. Uh, which is the the core of uh, what it is. That's John Burns. Uh, that's the, the the series that he penned. Then there was uh, X Men and Alpha Flight, uh, the nineteen eighty five annual uh, or miniseries. Uh, X Men Alpha Flight, uh, the nineteen ninety eight series, and some additional material from uh, Marvel Team Up number seven. So uh, lots to lots to enjoy there uh, for sure. I think I'll maybe be grabbing this baby. Yeah, not not a team I have a, an awful lot of uh, exposure to or uh, interaction with at this point, but uh, I've I've always heard great stuff about that Alpha Flight run, and uh, if you're going to be coming from the legend that is John Byrne, you just have to ask mm-hmm. Stephen, who's enjoying his Fantastic Four run so much at the moment. Yeah. Uh, then I think you can. That's definitely a safe uh, a safe option. So I'll add it to the ever increasing list of omnibuses which is ever increasing <laughs> i can assure you of course uh, of course and then just wanted to finish off with just for the 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 film guys amongst you um there is going to be a couple of new additions for some captain marvel stuff coming out in june obviously in advance of the marvel's movie uh so first of all you've got captain marvel the saga of carol danvers uh this is actually a run that i really really enjoyed i don't know a lot about captain marvel in the past but i love the kelly Sudaconic run again it was it was in the golden period that I talk about all the time, you know, Mark Wade, Daredevil, you know, Dan Slott, Silver Surfer, G. Willow Wilson, Miss Marvel. Well, at that point, Kelly Sudaconic was doing Captain Marvel. And uh, this one is basically going to collect the first eight issues of that run, but also the life of Captain Marvel, one to five as well. So learn how Carol Danvers made the step up from Avenger to Earth's Mightiest Hero. At last, the ace pilot turned costume powerhouse takes on the legendary mantle of Captain Marvel and forges a new legacy. Uh, at the same time as that, obviously with the Marvels, you've got Captain Marvel, you've got Miss Marvel, which I'm sure there'll be addition probably in the, the next previews book, mm-hmm. uh, but you've also got Monica Rambo, and there is also going to be a, a sort of not a tie-in book, maybe a prep book, I suppose is the way to look at it, or a prequel book, but uh, yeah, same again, this is going to be a collection of some of uh, Monica Rambo's biggest stories, uh, so this is written by the likes of Roger Stern, David Michelini, Dwayne McDuffie, Dwight Coyle, you've got art by John Romita Jr., Sal Buscema, John Buscema, uh, and more uh, so before Carol Danvers took the name Captain Marvel Monica Rambo Rambo held the title a police lieutenant with a remarkable part of transforming into energy Monica began as a reluctant superhero but soon rose through the ranks to become the Avengers field leader now witness Monica's debut her earliest encounters with Spider-Man and the Avengers and an interdimensional team up with Thanos' brother Star Fox Monica clashes with Powder Keg and the Sons of the Serpent in little scene solo tales but what prompts her to give up the name of Captain Marvel and evolve into the next phase of her heroic career so yeah, that's collecting a load of stuff, you know, from like Amazing Spider-Man Annual, the Avengers, Marvel Team-Up, um, all kinds of stuff. And again, pivotal stories for that character. Again, a little bit of a little bit of research before going to see the movie, I suppose. Uh, there, so again, we could probably list off at least another 15 things from that Marvel book, but we're going to call it there. Uh, our wallets <laughs> are crying enough as it is. Um, so yeah, Marvel book, very, very strong. Again, pop in the store, have a read through it, or you can find the solicitations relatively easy online, usually through uh, Newsarama. So that is DC done, that is Marvel done. So we're going to move on as we always do and finish off with the indie book. And, and as we say, the indie book, it's maybe not bursting with as many titles that are catching the eye this month, but there's still some great stuff to be had. And we kick off things with Image as we always do. And when you have a blurb at the top that says for fans of Invincible and Murder Falcon, 
you're hitting my sweet spot. Uh, this is a title called Arcade Kings. This is going to be a five-issue miniseries. Uh, brand new number one hitting in May. Uh, story art and main cover by Dylan Burnett. So writer and artist Dylan Burnett, who's worked on Ant-Man and Cosmic Ghost Rider, unveils a new prestige comic series sensation perfect for fans of Invincible and Murder Falcon. Joe, a mysterious new face in Infinity City, has suddenly become the hottest new player at the Roundhouse Arcade. Anyone can challenge him, but no one can win. But Joe's secret past is about to catch up to him when his most formidable challenge yet rolls into town, forcing Joe to combo his powers with a joystick, his fists, and his fighting family legacy. So, really cool looking art for this. It's got a real sort of retro feel to it. Even just the setting of, you know, the arcades. It's just pure nostalgia there. Sort of takes me back a little bit, you know, being the old man that I am these days. <laughs> Father put has aged you. Oh, he aged me terribly. He aged me terribly. <laughs> Um, so yes, that's Arcade Kings number one of five from Image Comics. And then the other Image series that caught my eye is, uh, and again, it's these blurbs that get you, a larger-than-life fantasy epic for fans of 8 Billion Genies, which, by the way, I don't know if you've read issue 7 yet, but holy crap, oh, that was bug nuts yeah, insane. Brilliant, so good. Really, really great stuff. Um, but yeah, for fans of 8 Billion Genies and Echo Land, so again, this is a fully creator-owned one, story, art, and covers by Simon Kudransky. Uh, that's someone whose work I've seen through Punisher. I've seen their work through, um, oh, what was it recently? A Town Called Terror with Steve Niles. So this one's called Something Epic. Uh, so this is uh, Imagination is Real. Outside our perception, creative thought takes physical form with only a handful of individuals known as epics able to interact with this wondrous hidden world. But for 14-year-old Danny Dillon, accepting these responsibilities himself won't be easy or safe. Lose yourself in a world of endless fantasy and creativity where superheroes, monsters, magical creatures and cartoon characters live and breathe alongside us. Fan favourite Spawn and Punisher artist Simon Kudransky introduces a world where the only limitation is your imagination. Featuring 32 full pages of story and art for just $3.99. So, yeah, I think this looks great. I did see uh, Kudransky showing this off on Twitter and some of the preview art for it looks absolutely awesome. Yeah, it does. Uh, something epic looks looks phenomenal. Uh, so for sure. That's it for me for image. And it's, it's weird to do image so quickly for me, but at least you've got a couple of things to talk about. Absolutely. Now this one did not appeal to me on the name alone because I think astrology is a bunch of crap. But uh, star signs number one. See how you really feel? Uh, <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never shy. Um, uh, Star Signs number one, which arrives on the 3rd of May, is uh, likened to The Wicked and the Divine, uh, Kieran Gillen's uh, uh, classic, uh, meets Radiant Black in this stunning new ongoing fantasy series. Um, it's by Saladin Ahmed uh, of, uh, as previously mentioned, uh, last run on Miles Morales, and Megan Levins, who is the uh, sci-fi star artist on Star Trek. Uh, the constellations of the Zodiac fall to Earth, granting 12 ordinary people from very different walks of life the superhuman powers of the star signs. But each of them is about to learn that power always comes with a price. Um, an exciting new series about astrology, superpowers, and the diverse found family uh, in the tradition of X-Men and heroes. Uh, what's not to like there? Um, uh, speaking of Radiant Black... Um, Massiverse architects Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, Melissa Flores and Matt Groom are joining up with superstar artists Danielle uh, Di Nicolo and Walter 
by Monte uh, of uh, Power Rangers Shattered Grid and Seven Secrets for the upcoming Supermassive 2023. It's an explosive 50-page one-shot crossover event that will land on our shelves in May. Uh, I think it's the second week of May. Um, again, it is Image. Um, a doorway has opened. Uh, beyond it lies the Holy Grail. Yes, that Holy Grail. But why are Radiant Black, Rogue Son, and the Dead Lucky all so desperate to get their hands on it? And who's the mysterious woman who stands in their way? The first Supermassive uh, ignited this shared universe, but now... With all of our series in motion, Supermassive 2023 feels like the massive verse in its prime, said the one-shots writers in a statement from the upcoming release. Wildly different characters with a wildly different personalities and motivations, each with their own life story, colliding in a pressure cooker. It's almost been too much fun to write, and getting to bring Danielle and Walter into the fold felt momentous because their work has been a big inspiration to this initiative since the beginning. So um, that is uh, Supermassive 2023. Um, you'll remember there was a 2022 one of those as well yeah that was the um, first one as as you say we didn't really know the characters quite so well at that point it was a way of shepherding in some of the new ones so it's nice that this will feel more like a crossover for characters that we that we know yeah absolutely and lastly from image were you on hitomi i read issue one and then i thought i was going to wait for the trade so this is well timed well here it is <laughs> um so this is uh hitomi uh trade paperback uh, writer was H.S. Tack and the uh, artist was uh, Isabella Mazzanti. It is a must-read revenge tale, says Comic Book Resources. Engrossing and entertaining, it's just incredibly well done, says Comic Speed. In feudal era Japan, a drifter with no prospects begins training in secret under Yasuki, uh, a once famous and now disgraced warrior, as she struggles to find her place in a society entrenched in discrimination and violence. Combining the historical sweep and elegance of Kurosawa, with the visceral action of Tarantino, this saga follows the trials and tribulations of a young female warrior who travels the countryside unendingly, working to gain the rank of samurai, a title no man, monster or myth can give to her, but one that she will have to take. Um, this is just about to finish in singles, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I mention it because if you hadn't been on it, I know you'll really enjoy it as well. It's a beautiful book, absolutely beautiful, and it's released May 24th. So if you didn't get... Uh, Hitomi and singles I would highly recommend grabbing it in trade cool cool well I am going to just mention one last thing just from image and that's just mainly because pre-orders are so important for this title as was evidenced when volume one came out um so as part of the year-long celebration for the 20th anniversary of Invincible uh they have been releasing hardcover compendiums now Keith has the the normal compendiums he was he was gracious enough to, to lend me them that's how I, did, I discovered Invincible but then because I really enjoyed it, I, I felt guilty that I hadn't put anything towards it. So I decided to start collecting it for myself. But they've been doing these hardcover compendiums. Now, they are $100 books, so they're pricey. Uh, they're slightly bigger than the compendiums you have. Not by much, but it's just uh, it's a hardcover and slightly higher paper quality. But Volume 1 came out. They're direct market exclusives. Now, what that means is you can only buy them in comic stores. You can't for buy us. these in um you can't buy them off amazon you can't buy them in wh smith or, or you know waterstones or whatever so they've solicited volume two this month uh, which is going to come out may 31st so it's going to cover issues 49 to uh, 48 to 96 but also invincible returns and the astounding wolfman crossover i i i was inundated with requests for this after it was out but we couldn't just take the chance and order 10 copies of a hundred dollar book uh, that's widely available for sort of $50 in softcover. So 
if it's something that interests you, please do let us know in terms of pre-orders because I only order in enough for pre-orders with this. I nearly gave up my own copy, but uh, thankfully saw sense because I've done that way too many times at this point. <laughs> so I managed to actually hold my nerve with this one. But yeah, just if it does interest you, definitely, uh, definitely get in touch and we'll always get it sorted for you. So that, yeah, Invincible Compendium Hardcover Volume 2. Very cool. So moving on to Ablaze. Uh, comics, uh, just one for me, and uh, that is the uh, trade paperback uh, of uh, Lovecraft, Unknown Kadath. Uh, the writer on this is Florentino Flores. The artist is uh, Jacques uh, Salomon, um, along with uh, Wilhelm Osana. <coughs> Randolph Carter, a traveller to dreamland, tries not to wake up before reaching his goal, the elusive Kadath, the home of the gods, a place of fantasy and overflowing imagination. Carter walks through a world full of threats and abominable monsters, but also of palaces, exuberant cities and geographies that remind man of his insignificant role on the gigantic cosmic chessboard. Uh, what are the reasons to keep going when everything around us is terrifying and lethal? Kadath may offer some answers to this question. It's an adaption of H.P. Lovecraft's dream quest of unknown Kadath, unlike anything you've read before. It collects the complete eight-issue series plus cover gallery bonus terrible bonus material and the original prose story as you know i'm a huge fan of lovecraft um as is stephen king he says the master of horror says that i think it is beyond doubt that sp lovecraft has yet to be surpassed as the 20th century's greatest practitioner of the classic horror tale um i'd say this will be a lovely trade paperback uh, if you haven't read it uh, if you are familiar or are not familiar with the original story, uh, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. And as it notes, the original prose story is included in the trade paperback, as it is at the end of all of the eight issues. So, nice one, Ablaze. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're delving into a little bit of horror here with, uh, you know, obviously with Lovecraft and with the, the next couple of choices. I mean, the, the main one that stuck out for me this month from Boom Comics is a title called Ghost Lore, which is going to be a 12-issue maxi-series uh, written by horror aficionado Colin Bunn and illustrated by Leo Max and Bran Hurt so same again they just keep hitting me with these blurbs a new supernatural ongoing series for fans of Philadelphia and Bone Orchard Black Feathers so with this one it's uh, what ghost stories do ghosts tell and what can they tell us about ourselves and a strange daughter and her father wander a haunted land they only have the restless spirits each with its own story to tell as company along the way after a deadly accident of which they were the only survivors Lucas and Harmony Agate can see the dead an overwhelming amount of the deceased, all with their own warnings, cries for help, and malevolence alike. But Lucas and Harmony aren't the only ones with this ability. There are other nearly deads, some of which have malicious motivations. So Cullen of Basilisk and the Empty Man of Claim is joined by artist Leo Max, who did Basketful of Heads, and guest artist Brian Hurt, the Sixth Gun, for the first in a haunting lineup of artists featured in each issue to bring readers the most eye-opening spectral story since The Sixth Sense. This 12-issue series is the newest Boom Studios celebration with Cullen Bond with issue 1 featuring a special spot UV ghost variant. Oh, that just screams 90s right there, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, from one horror title to another, and for this one we actually move over to Dark Horse. And again with these blurbs, it's Red Dawn meets 30 Days of Night. What, what, what's not to love? Uh, so this is a title from Dark Horse called Survival. It's going to be a five-issue miniseries. It's written by Sean Lewis uh, and art by Bryden Everett. 
When Emma Reid journeyed back to her hometown in Alaska, she was expecting little more than a tense family reunion at the annual military alumni get-together. But early that morning, a plane crash landed in the thick woods near the mountain, and the creature within brings an ancient terror to the last American frontier, and will turn this unspoiled wilderness into a killing ground. See, that that sounds like the thing as well. This this hit my sweet spot all over the place here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, five-issue miniseries, that one from Dark Horse, that is called Survival. And I move away from the horror and into the wonderful world of Disney. Uh, this is not really stuff for myself, I have to say. <laughs> but I like to keep people abreast of what's coming out Disney-wise because it, we do get asked for it in the store quite a bit. But it's really interesting because we, we spoke about this before we came on. I find it so weird that Disney comics are printed through Dynamite. Dynamite is known for things like Vampirella and Red Sonja and Draculina and all these more adult-oriented books. And then they just have Disney stuff. It just amuses me. They have Gargoyles. They have Darkwing Duck. But they're doing this new range of stuff called uh, Disney Villains, uh, which is they're going to be looking at villains from different um, movies and doing like little mini-series with them. So you've got Maleficent, first of all, uh, from Sue Lee. There's a brand new number one. That kicks off in May. But already started in April, and I don't think we mentioned it last month, but you have Disney Villains, and it focuses on Scar, of course, from The Lion King. And it's written by Chuck Brown, so it's 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 got a bit of pedigree behind it as well. Art by uh, Trevor Frawley on that one. So, yeah, if you if you some you know younger readers that you want to you know find stuff to appeal to them, the the Disney range through Dynamite is not a bad place to go. Uh, so that is that. And what have you something from IDW? Do I see? Yes, sir. I'm very pleased to say that we have a Star Trek corner uh, rather than a Star Wars corner. Uh, Star Trek being uh, much more of a fandom for me. Uh, it's a very good time to be a Star Trek fan, both on TV and uh, and in comic books. And we have uh, in May the uh, the Star Trek annual 2023. And I mean, things are very much heating up in uh, Star Trek comic books at IDW. And it looks like 2023 isn't going to be uh, any different uh, with regard to that. They're boldly going to the final frontier with a load of different crews and connections to the larger universe uh, and uh, the Star Trek annual will be a, a welcome round out to the to the spacey spring offerings uh, it is written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and joined by artist Rachel Stott 40 page celebratory one shot uh, landing in May and it's going to be a tributary to force of the interstellar Star Trek universe um, it all st- I mean it all started back in I guess October, whenever IDW launched their new Star Trek book by by uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and uh, Ramon Rosanos, and that uh, was followed by news of a five issue summer crossover event that's coming up uh, called Star Trek Day of Blood, and that'll be the unifying arc between the Star Trek flagship book and the upcoming Star Trek Defiant, uh, and I think that starts with. A free comic book day uh, offering called uh, Star Trek Prelude to the Day of Blood, which again will be Lansing, Kelly and Christopher Cantwell. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Star Trek annual uh, will take readers on an adventure alongside characters spanning the franchise's uh, long history. And the synopsis says the Theseus crew finally get a chance to relax. But just as everyone settles down, a strange signal comes in with a message that reads, Mr. Scott, we have a problem. Bring help, Jim. 
Upon finding the source of the signal, the Theseus bridge crew step into a fully activated holodeck, recreating the bridge of the original USS Enterprise, complete with a discovery of some strange new guest stars. Um, as I said, uh, Lansing, Kelly, and uh, art by Rachel Stott. So really looking forward to that. You do love you a bit of Star Wars. Star Trek, in fact. And Star Trek even more so. <laughs> <laughs> No worries, so that's the Star Trek Annual 2023. We're winding down now with our last couple here. And yeah. these are what these are ones that I'd mentioned in the intro. There was a title from a smaller publisher called Fair Square Comics that we had both seen separately and both wanted to put down here. So uh, again, we show our, our good taste. But uh, what would that title be? Uh, well, it's another uh, favorite genre of mine uh, when we talk about the, the Wild West. I'm a, I'm a big cowboy fan. And from, uh, as you say, Fair Square Comics, it's Far South, Croups, Pimps and Gauchos, number one. Uh, it is from creators uh, Rodolfo Santulo and art and cover art by uh, Old Guard superstar artist Leandro Fernandez. So uh, Cowboys and Leandro Fernandez, I am there. Uh, an arid and wild land cut off from the world, tough and hot-blooded men, crime, alcohol, revenge. This is where the taciturn Montoya runs a bar, a bar where the worst scoundrels in the area come to settle their differences or talk about their setbacks. What happens in the far south stays in the far south. Created by best-selling international author Rodolfo Sandulo and old guard superstar artist Leandro Fernandez, far south will take you in a to the merciless world of these cowboys through a series of short stories of jubilant violence, Sin City style in the ancient land of the gauchos, a different kind of western. And that's going to be out on May 17th. Uh, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I think that sounds fantastic. You know, you've also got variant cover there by Raphael Albuquerque, co-creator of American Vampire. American Vampire series, which started out in the Wild West as well. So uh, going back to his roots a little bit. There I've, got the, well. uh, I've got the two, the two hardcover omnibuses sitting to read on my uh, getting increasingly higher omnibus pile. Yeah, I would put those to the top. But yeah, I know you would. Then again, I then put something else on top of them and something else on top. Um, <laughs> but no, American Vampire is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think that sounds great as well. And and again, that's probably the kind of book that relies very heavily on pre-orders. You know, it's not from a huge publisher. You know, I'm sure they'll keep their order in tight based on the pre-order. So yeah, that's Far South Crooks, Pimps and Gauchos at number one. So just two to finish off with. Uh, first of all, I'm just going to spotlight one from Titan Comics. And the reason for that is this is another one of those comics that comes with an exclusive game code uh, it is a prequel comic based on the best-selling horror game dead by daylight uh, again i've already had some pre-orders in for this so thought it was worth um, showcasing uh, this is going to be written by nadia shamas and art by dylan snook so behavior interactive's global phenomenon horror game comes to comics when the rebellious frank crashes into the lives of julie joey and susie together they'll unleash bloody chaos onto the sleepy dead-end town of ormond witness the terrifying origins of the legion Teenage angst, anarchy, and adoration combine for a perfect violent storm of a comic. Compelling, familiar, yet original characters make this the ideal jumping on point for the next big horror franchise, Dead by Daylight. And as I say, readers can unlock an exclusive in-game charm using the unique code found inside the comic. But the one to finish off with, and again, I actually think this is one of the, the more exciting uh, books from the indie book this month as well. This is called The North Valley Grimoire. Uh, brand new number one. Written by Blake Northcott and the artist is Giuseppe Cafaro. So this is a brand new series which is sort of 
broken down as spycraft meets spellcraft in North Valley, a slick James Bond-style adventure fused with the supernatural suspense of the magicians. In his thrilling debut, a CIA black ops division clandestinely hunts and eliminates the most dangerous threat in history, magic. On a routine assignment, Agent Malik discovers a grimoire more powerful than a nuclear weapon. But when the agency wants to recover the spellbook instead of destroy it, he begins to question their endgame. Written by best-selling author Blake Northcott, who worked on Catwoman with art by Giuseppe Cafaro from Suicide Squad. The North Valley Grimoire is an enchanted tale of espionage like none other. It's also coming with a variant cover from Sean Gordon Murphy, no less. Uh, he is making his Whatnot publishing debut. Uh, there's also a video game cover as well, which Whatnot seem to be doing a lot of these, but it's uh, the GoldenEye cover, and it just looks really, really cool. Uh, no... Um, indication given how long that's going to be just down as a number one uh, what not publishing have normally put all five or all six on their titles so I'm assuming the mm. idea there is for it to be an ongoing but yeah I suppose you could break it down even further it's Bond meets Harry Potter <laughs> good Harry Potter if such a thing exists i.e. the books um, but yeah that is the North Valley Grimoire that's our last pick from the indie book as I say there is probably other stuff in there as well um, but again I, I did think the indie book this was this month was the weakest of the three not to say it's weak but just the weakest of the three because the mm-hmm. other two are mm-hmm. very very strong so uh, so yeah so no the, the cutoff points for these guys so orders the initial orders are due on the 16th of March we will then, of course, get a chance a month after that to submit our final order cutoff. So top ups are still possible, but as ever, the earlier the better. Just uh, allows us to, you know, plan our ordering a little bit easier. Uh, so yeah, get those orders in, and you're guaranteed your first print, your cover A, and your cover price. So that was an expensive sojourn through the previous books, Heath. Whew, absolutely. Um... What is going to have to come off the list so some of those things can go on the list? That's the question. Well, the good news is that I know this week alone there's about five or six series that came to an end this week. So yeah. this this is the one good thing with you know a lot of mini series being solicited, for example, because mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. say, you know certain ones naturally come to their end as other ones start. <clears throat> it's just those ongoings you've got to keep a keep an eye on and yeah, uh, make the sure one. there's not too many of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, um, again, hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope it proved informative. Uh, and again, any titles you'd like to get pre-ordered, just get in touch with the store in many of the various ways that you can do so. But in the meantime, it was a pleasure chatting through with you, my friend. And uh, yes, absolutely. I'm um, in the mood to read some comics now. Yeah, I've got a I've got a fair chunk of my pull list from this week still to read. Tomorrow is New Comic Book Day. I'm heading off to Glasgow for work. Uh, not back until Thursday, but I might swing in, say hello, get a cup of coffee en route to the airport. Perfect. Well, I will be there uh, to greet you with a warm cup of coffee. Always. (laughs) Thanks again, guys, and I look forward to seeing you in store. So I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter, where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1, and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland, based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.